As the use of telemedicine expands, what are some of the top privacy and security issues that healthcare entities should worry about? I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with attorney Emily Wine of the law firm Baker Donaldson. Emily will be discussing some of the top privacy and security concerns she sees regarding telehealth. So, Emily, there's been some movement in Congress to advance the use of telehealth. For instance, proposed legislation seeks to expand the use of telemedicine for Medicare patients. What do you think is the potential in terms of the growing use of telemedicine? And what's the potential impact in terms of patient privacy and security issues? There is a big push in the federal level to expand it. How successful that will be, we will see but there are a lot of proposed bills out there. First and foremost, to the extent there is any expansion of the coverage under Medicare or any other federal program for telehealth, telemedicine, what I think was the one of the primary benefits is it will provide us with some more data. Medicare has been very hesitant to expand coverage and reimbursement because there is, to their mind, not a, enough data yet for increased quality of telehealth and the proposed position that telehealth really reduces costs in the short term and the long term. And that is why those programs are very hesitant to do a universal expansion. So these bills that have been proposed expand the benefit for telehealth in certain areas, whether it's just managed care, whether it's just for chronic care services, or whether it's just for certain modalities, perhaps remote patient monitoring. But what I see as a benefit is that the more it's used by providers and patients, the more data we will have to show if, in fact, as those in the industry believe, there is an increase of quality and a reduction of cost to then further support the continued expansion. But you're right, the more and more we grow in the service line, we do have to pay attention to legal and regulatory requirements and considerations implicated by these service delivery models. And very importantly, is the area of privacy security. You know, we see this a lot just now, just in your typical day-to-day dealings with credit cards and non-healthcare provider vendors, such as breaches that we recently see with large retailers, but more sensitive is your healthcare information. As networks continue to grow, telehealth networks due to success or demand by the industry, they're going to be, by necessity, more involved in the storage of information the maintenance of information, the transmission of information, and more people involved in that just simply increases the risk of improper access or breach or negligent use of the information. So while telehealth, the benefits and use of it, it's beneficial for that to increase, there are increased privacy considerations. So, Emily, with that said, what sorts of top privacy and security risks for healthcare providers and their patients are we worried about? Is it a matter of the sorts of insider breaches that we see even in traditional sorts of healthcare settings? Are we worried about the sort of the remote access to patient information for patients that are off-site? You know, maybe the transmission of this information? What sorts of problems potentially can healthcare providers face that they should be concerned about at this point? 
telehealth is an industry that's responsive to healthcare needs, but it's also responsive to sort of the way we are we operate today. We want things quickly, we want things conveniently. So as the telehealth industry tries to respond to that demand, for example, we're going to offer this service in your home. We're going to offer this service on your iPhone so you can access it perhaps when you're not driving, but you're in in transit and you on your way some, somewhere, you're not exactly in your home. Or you can off, or you can access it when you are at your employer's location. And I've now stated three types of devices: your iPad at your home, or your computer, your iPhone, and then whatever kiosk or interface you have in perhaps your employer's location. These are addi- additional three devices that potentially could store or transmit your personal health information. It's not the same situation as going to your physician office where you know your information is stored perhaps in hard copy, but on their electronic server. Now you have your information being transmitted for various modalities. And again, that just increases the potential that it's misused, mistransmitted, or accessed inappropriately. As I mentioned before, when if we have a telehealth network that is large in size, or perhaps just chooses to outsource some of their functions, not due to size, but just due to efficiencies and cost savings. And perhaps one of those functions is the storing and the maintenance of information. There are That means there are different vendors located or involved in the storage of your health information. So for example, it's not just your telehealth physician that has access or is storing your, your personal health information. It's the software company that that physician has contracted with to maintain that electronic information that you're sharing via a telehealth visit. More people just touching your information. Another example of increased privacy risk would include devices, new creative devices, perhaps wearable devices, perhaps devices that are easily lost, perhaps tracking information that you never thought it would track, for example, your location. Perhaps that doesn't amount to health information, but it's still personal information. And that is, again, shared with your telehealth provider if they're remotely monitoring some of your behavior or your well-being from a distant location. And again, that information is being shared. It's out there. And if it's misappropriated, it could create some risk for the patient. And privacy and security risk, probably more from perhaps a regulatory compliance standpoint, as I mentioned, more people touching data or have access to data. There's more of a risk that a provider's business associate agreements, as required under HIPAA, are not going to be fully documented or fully appreciated. As required under HIPAA, if there's a third party involved in the use or access of protected health information, then a proper contract has to be in place, which is called a business associate agreement. As the networks get larger and involve others in the maintenance and storage of that information, providers do need to be aware to make sure that they have those proper documents in place. So, Emily, with all of that said, what can healthcare entities and even patients, for that matter, do to better address some of these risks so that the data isn't as vulnerable to breaches, for instance? A risk assessment is required under the HIPAA security rule. And what often providers don't always appreciate is that it needs to be 
relevant to the services and the modalities and the service models that they are engaged in. To the extent you're updating your services or expanding, you want to update that risk assessment. A risk assessment that you provided for a bricks and mortar service delivery is likely won't be applicable to a telehealth service delivery model. So when a provider is getting into telehealth or perhaps expanding their telehealth offerings, it would be very prudent if not just simply the right thing to do, particularly in the eyes of the Office of Civil Rights, the enforcement agency for HIPAA, that they do update or in fact, or just get a risk assessment if one has not been obtained before. And thinking along the lines of security under HIPAA and in the OCR's view, and for most security standpoints, encryption is considered the gold standard of security measures. However, it's important to understand the different types of encryption that are available and out there. There is encryption of information that's at rest. There's encryption for information at each end of a transaction or communication. And there's encryption for information that's in transit. And understanding what encryption protections you have in place better allows you to assess your security weaknesses. Hopefully those would be identified already through a proper risk assessment, but you need to understand what your security measures are in place. Practical and more specific to telehealth, I would suggest, in particular in this time of risks of identity theft, that proper authentication processes be in place. And what I mean by that is under many state laws applicable to the practice of telehealth, Providers are required by law or regulation to properly identify themselves to a patient and, in a reasonable manner, authenticate that patient's identity as well. It seems like a simple requirement. However, in the times of identity theft, as I mentioned, that we have today, I think it's a very important element of a telehealth service delivery model to focus on and make sure that those processes are tight. What other privacy and security regulatory risks and issues should telehealth providers, as well as perhaps the vendors of some of these telehealth products, be aware of? So we've talked about HIPAA, and that's on the federal front. You have to keep in mind that most, if not every state, or at least most, I would say the majority of states, have a HIPAA-like type law. For the most part, they apply to the misappropriation and breaches of personal information, which is typically going to include a social security number, a credit card number. But more and more, these state laws have been expanded to cover medical information as well. Now, keep in mind, some of these state laws are more strict than HIPAA. What I mean by that is that under HIPAA, if you have an information breach, you must provide notice to the patient within 60 days. Some of these states have shorter time frames, for example, 45 or 30 days. If you're in a telehealth network, you're going to be subject to every state law in which a patient you treat resides, even if you are residing in the state of Arizona, but you're treating patients in Utah and California and all the surrounding states. You're going to have to be aware of those state laws relevant to information breaches. And you should be aware of their notification standards and timeframes. Continue on and still related to medical area of, of healthcare, the FDA. The FDA regulates medical devices. And medical devices are very much a part of today's telehealth models. We've already mentioned wearable devices, perhaps. Software can fall under this. 
If you are using medical devices in your telehealth service delivery model, you would want to confirm whether or not it falls under the FDA's jurisdiction because they too have some privacy and security requirements. More generally speaking is the issue of credit card information. I already spoke about state laws that may be implicated if there's misappropriation of credit card or other financial information, but there are just other commercial laws implicated, state and federal, when you use credit card transactions and store credit card information, which as we know, due to the unfortunate lack of Medicare and other federal healthcare program coverage of telehealth, oftentimes telehealth service delivery models are private pay and patients are paying for it with their personal credit cards. I would also say, you know, thinking about it, you know, more globally, remote patient monitoring, a form of telehealth, sometimes considered its own sort of category of healthcare, but involves tracking and monitoring of patients in their home. You can do this from a device that tracks your biometrics, or perhaps sometimes the tracking is done by a camera. Providers are able to check on their patients in their home, and it's a great health benefit. However, to the extent that any of that information, recordings of someone's home, are ever misappropriated, you might want to consider what other information that has captured beyond the healthcare information that was the goal of tracking when that camera was placed in there. Are there more private matters or confidential matters that go on in one's home that someone would not expect to be part of their medical record, but by virtue of a remote patient monitoring model, perhaps they are. And then it's just a consideration for when you're implementing these models. You want to educate your patients as to, you know, how the devices work, what they are recording and what they're not recording, how to turn them off, how to activate them. You want to have your patient really engaged in understanding the use of the technology in order to mitigate these privacy and security concerns. Of course, you you want to do it in a way where, there, where the use of the telehealth equipment is still medically effective and it achieves the medical and clinical goals for which they were initiated. But these sorts of consideration you may want to include in your information and your education of your patient when using these services. And then again, we want to think about specific areas of healthcare that receive special treatment, whether under federal or state law. Being here in Maryland, I know that mental health information has specific protections and requirements under state law. So to the extent that you are a mental health provider in Maryland, I would, I would recommend that you be aware of those heightened protections. And the same could go for many other states with respect to mental health, certain test results such as HIV or sexually transmitted diseases. Again, you want to be aware of any enhanced protection for a certain type of health information. On the federal level, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is information generated from a alcohol and drug substance abuse program. To the extent that one qualifies as such a treatment program, there are specific regulations that apply to those programs and the confidentiality of that information. So if a telehealth service provider is involved in any of those types of healthcare services or these types of treatment centers, again, being very aware of the enhanced privacy requirements for that information. Thanks, Emily. I've been speaking to attorney Emily Wine. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.